This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest European show. I am your host Mo Stewart and seeing as we're halfway through the Champions League group stage, I thought we'd take a little look, take the temperature of what's been going on and potentially look at some, do a bit of a scouting mission for Liverpool because as we all know, we are going to need some midfielders. So I thought I'd bring along a guy who knows a little bit about the Champions League, former writer, lead writer at Squawker, Mr. Mohamed But Mo, welcome. Um, you probably didn't have a lot of fun watching Barcelona, but I mean, <laughs> there was quite a good range of midfield play within that game. And one of the guys oh, I want to talk about first, who was featured in that game, was Nicola Barella. And he's someone who yeah. Liverpool fans will have heard a lot about, maybe not necessarily seen him play that much. Now, he's one of those guys who's Toted as the, the complete midfielder, someone who can do it all. He can see a pass, he's good in tight spaces, he's press resistant, and he can also make tackles. The thing that I found interesting about this game against Barcelona, Inter went into it without a nominated defensive style midfielder. Brozovic was injured. They didn't go for Aslani as they'd done against Roma. They basically had Chalonoglu as the deepest midfielder, getting the ball off the centre-backs. But they seem to be able to make it work. They seem to all be able to, without necessarily having the tackle guy, they all pretty much were able to keep them at bay aside from counter-attacks, of course. But we'll come on to that. Yeah, essentially, what it, it bodes well. I mean, we're talking about suitability for Liverpool here. So it bodes well. Like you said, there was no defensive midfield. I mean, Mkhitaryan and Shalanoglu were... I mean, in previous lives, number 10s are very attacking midfield players in the, in the last line of the pitch. And they played deeper and they and they worked hard. They worked very hard. But yeah, Barella was, uh, uh, I mean, of those three, he's by far the most aggressive, by far the most combative. Uh, and it's weird to say, because obviously on the one hand, Barca completely dominated the proceedings. Pedri was resplendent, absolutely the best player on the pitch. But what you, in a way, what that, what that showed you with Nico Barrera playing was the fact that he actually can not play as a defensive midfielder, that's not really what he does, but he can really pitch in and put a shift in, in the classic way that Liverpool midfielders have to do, right? Because yeah. Liverpool midfielders have always been exceptionally hardworking. Even Thiago, who is a beautiful footballing genius, very hard worker, loves to tackle. And there's a lot of similarities between Barella and Thiago. Uh, he's not as elegant on the ball because, I mean, Thiago is a Brazilian, Brazilian heritage, raised in Spain, born in Italy. You can't, that's literally the perfect mix of football <laughs> elegance. You can't, you know, that's not, that's a cheat code. You can't beat that. But Varela is a, is a very, very combative player, loves to get stuck in, as people would, see, would have seen when uh, Liverpool played into last year or Euros as well for Italy. He loves a tackle, gets stuck in, loves it, really is a fighter, but then has the quality to play really expansive passes. He's the kind of player, for years, I always said this, he's the player that Marco that Twitter thinks Marco Verratti is. Right? <laughs> because Marco Verratti has the misfortune of never playing well when I watch him. I don't know. I'm just, maybe I'm cursed or something. But whenever I watch Verratti, I'm like, I'm like, this guy's rubbish. He's overrated as hell. And then when I watch Verratti, I'm like, this is what they think Verratti is. He can move the ball around. He brings others into play. He spreads it really well wide. So, I mean, you know, you're looking at Liverpool. That's that's a dream, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Verratti can get it wide. And he can get into the box. He can score goals. He's got goals in him. He He is... You know, you never want to say anyone is perfect for anything, right? But he looks very much like a Klopp star midfielder already. Yeah. Or if not, because the thing is, because he, he excelled under Conte, right? And the Conte and Klopp methods, 
they're, they're very different in some ways, but they're very similar in other ways in what they demand of certain positions. And midfielders under Conte have to be very hardworking, very tenacious, very combative, but also able to be vertical. You look at how often the Spurs, Benton, Kern, Hoiberg, pop up, edge of the box, score a goal or what have you. But they're always required to get back and track back and defend. So, you know, you look at Henderson slowing down now, inevitably, sadly, because, you know, what a great human being. Really, really amazing. And it's, yeah. But he's slowing down now, obviously. Milner, we've seen. Oh, God bless the man. We all love James Milner. Pre he's still crying. But come on. <laughs> it, it age. Age comes for everybody, man. Look, Cristiano Ronaldo scored 50 goals a season once upon a time. The man doesn't look like he could burst into a sprint and beat a five-year-old right now. So, time comes for everybody, right? Uh, so you need a mid. You need Liverpool needed two midfielders. They need to sign. They needed to sign a midfielder when they sold Gini Van Alden. They needed to sign someone then to replace Van Alden. They didn't do that. They sort of muddled their way through, and they had an amazing season without Van Alden. And it was just like, well, okay, fair enough. I guess you didn't need him, but it was always because everyone stayed fit. Now you're seeing it. They should have signed. They need two midfielders basically. Yeah, and two starting think- quality midfielders. I would add because I think Elliot's great. I love Elliot. But when Elliot plays, Trent doesn't get any protection and Trent needs protection defensively because he's that good offensively. You want to balance that as defensive attributes. Fabinho gets too isolated, but he's great. But he's, again, you've got basic, Liverpool basically had three starter quality midfielders mm-hmm. in Fabinho, Thiago and Elliot. But that is a very open midfield when they all play together. So you need to be able to mix and match and rotate. And you need someone this- else who can mix it the way Henderson used to. And Varela... He looks like he should be that guy. I mean, I've watched a lot of him over the last few years. And he he likes, when he's playing particularly in a three-man midfield, he likes to be the right-sided kind of eight. And Mm. if you look at Liverpool's tactics this season, some of where it's looked a little bit shonky is when we've had Henderson or Milner in those half spaces on the edge of the box. And they haven't really found the creativity, whereas Elliot seems to have worked with it. But as you mentioned, the flip side of it is the defensive qualities. So you kind of... Barella's almost the that midpoint between the the qualities of Elliot and the defensive instincts of Henderson. The issue with Barella, and it's one that we might have to come back to over the course of this show. Uh, he signed a brand new contract with Inter last summer. That means he's yeah. under contract until twenty twenty six. He's as Big you mentioned, now. he's a Euros winner. Um, so it's going to be one of those scenarios where. If, as you say, and as all of us kind of understand, Liverpool really do need to be signing two first-team midfielders, it's going to cost them a lot. It will, and that's the problem, right? Because, obviously, you're already, the fact that we're looking at alternatives for Jubelian, because we can... Liverpool, Liverpool, you would accept that Liverpool, as, as much as, I think... Uh, I was actually discussing this with Jasmine Barber recently, the football journalist uh, and analyst, Jasmine Barber. I was discussing with it, like, where would Jude Bellingham be the best fit? And I was saying, I'd love to see him with Guardiola just because it would develop his passing game. And I'd love to see an English midfielder can actually control a game, for goodness sake. Hasn't been much <laughs> his carriage. Um, but she was like, no, no, he'd suit a clock system more. And you're right, and he would. But then Jude Bellingham, you're thinking, that's Real Madrid's going to go for him. That's Man City's going to go for him. Now, look, if you can convince him sporting-wise Liverpool's best project for him, which it might just be, okay, but money talks at the end of the day. And, it really does. You know, City, Real Madrid, Real Madrid have basically, they had a hundred and something million to give to Mbappe. They didn't end up doing that. So they've got they've got all that money burning a hole in their pocket. They've already stole too many away from Liverpool. Um, so, I mean, let's see what they yeah. do. What they get into the race. 
PSG might show up just because they're PSG. And then Man City is a very hard thing to beat financially. But so assuming you don't get Bellingham, you've got money there to spend, but is it going to be what you need? Barella's not going to be cheap. Even if Inter do sell, and of course Inter are in a situation where they almost have to sell someone every summer because of their, their financial problems. Bur- the fact that they've tied Barella down to such a long deal indicates that either they don't want to sell him if they don't have to, or if they are going to sell him, pitching. So, yeah. And, yeah. You know, I- it's, 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 it's one of those, we have to decide as a club how bold we're going to be. Now, at this point, I should mention, Jude Bellingham is going to get a few kind of side mentions, but we're not going to discuss him because I've listened to you all out there. I've seen the comments in previous shows. Why are we talking about Bellingham so much? He's not our player. He's going here. He's going there. Blah, blah, blah. So, he's very Bellingham, good, he's, he's very, very good. good and I mean, he's a very good player. He was also really tearing it up last night, as anyone probably watched. But for the purpose of balance, we aren't going to discuss him on this show. And as we've mentioned, we'd need two midfielders anyway. So, I mean, this would be Bellingham plus. Now, you mentioned Real Madrid, unfortunately. Yeah. So it feels (laughs) like we should probably... And you also mentioned Chiromeni being stolen off us. Now... Over the course of the summer, it's since been revealed that when that did happen, Liverpool tried a little cheeky number to try and smuggle Fede Valverde out the back door while no one was noticing. But unfortunately, <laughs> Carlo Ancelotti was very yeah. much noticing. And there's a yeah. reason he was noticing, because uh, Fede Valverde, again, another complete midfielder, one who hmm. sometimes you might see him lined up uh, on a formation page as a wide forward, but very much mm-hmm. a midfielder who can yeah. hug the touchline. But the thing that really struck me watching him again this um, last night is um, his yeah. dribbling ability, his close control and his dribbling ability. For someone who yeah, has yeah. got a reputation as being the energetic box-to-box kind of defensive-styled midfielder, he's got yeah, real yeah. qualities. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Valverde is in every single way a perfect Jurgen Klopp player. Like, he's physically mountainous. He's enormous. He's fast. He's, I mean, he's Uruguayan, so he just loves a fight, right? He loves, he's got endless gara, you know, which, you, you know, you see, you see it in Darwin. You saw it in Luis Suarez when he was at Liverpool. You know, you see it in Godin, in, in Ronald Araujo at Barcelona. Now there's Gara, this, this will to win, this will to fight. This, you know, this is what makes Uruguay such special footballers. Valverde has that in spades. He's a sensational player. And he's just, he's like a locomotive, high-speed locomotive, up and down, up and down. Whether he plays wide or whether he plays uh, uh, centrally, he can do almost, uh, he, he, can do, he can do almost anything. Valverde is, is, He's not a control, but this is the thing. It's it's quite funny because you put him in this list and and compared to the other two guys, he's not control guy. The, the other two people were discussing, Barella and then the next person we're discussing. He's not a control guy. He doesn't play it and pass it and give it and this and that. Like the way that, that's like for Real Madrid, that's Tony Cruz or now Chouameni is going to take on that role as well. Um, and so he's not that kind of profile that Liverpool clearly want someone who can control a game or help control a game because they know they can't play Thiago all the time. So... In in a way, it's not a good fit to to to, to fill the shoes that Chouameni was meant to fill, and and that Barella could fill, and that the next person could fill. But in terms of just everything else, he's such a clock player. Mm-hmm. He's so good, and he's just. I mean, look, this guy scores against scores in big games as well, big goals against Barcelona. He scored, I think, twice. 
I think yeah. it's Barcelona. So he loves a big game, uh, assisted in the Champions League final. You know, uh, he's just great. He's really great. Before the Champions League final, the pundits were saying, were dismissing the fact that, or the commentators were dismissing the fact that he could be much of an impact in the final third. And I was like, you, you need to pay attention to this guy because he's got this, this will, this gutter, and he's also just really sneaky athletic. Well, not sneaky. He's just tremendously athletic. So, like, you don't suspect that he's going to hurt you, but he's got technique and skill. Like you said, he's dribbling. You don't. You look at him. You think he's just going to run through you, but he can run around you too. He's yeah, got exactly. a lot of skills and. For Liverpool, I think it would be, again, he's not the same kind of player. But again, if you're talking about your Liverpool need two midfielders, right? You get um, you get your passing midfielder, whoever that may be. And then you get this guy. I mean, I don't think it would happen. I think Real, I think Real Madrid, even last summer, they didn't want to do it. And now the way he started this season, they'd have seen and they'd be like, no, no chance. No mm-hmm. way, no how we're going to let this guy go. He is tremendous, though. He is terrifyingly tremendous at, at just being going up and down, up and down. And that's what Liverpool, I mean, you can only imagine what he would bring to that Liverpool midfield. Like that, the muscularity he brings, the pace and the power, you know, and just the work, the willingness to get up and down. He fit the Premier League, Premier League like a glove, right? Because he's so physically robust and it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't shock him. A lot of times players come from La Liga or whatever and the Premier League is a bit of a shock to them. You know, it's mm-hmm. a bit bit rough. It takes them a few months to get acclimated and then they start dominating, sure. But like, even Thiago, really, apart from that game against Chelsea where he was amazing, the 100-pass game, uh, 100-touch game, sorry, he, wa- he wasn't really that good in the first few months and he took his while to get yeah. going. It took mm-hmm. even a season, you could argue. But then look at him now. He's amazing. He's fantastic. So, you know, it, it takes a while, but he wouldn't have that problem because he's just such a physically robust and rugged player. It would be like a duck to water, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. He would absolutely take to it perfectly. The and there's another. Is, though, is that, hmm? I was just going to say, there's another guy who yeah. would probably settle in quite easier if he was there, yeah. i.e. Darwin Nunes, a guy he knows very well. Everybody, I mean, that's it, the thing. That's you look the at thing, that connection. Right? Like if, it if could be one of those that help both people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When your your compatriot is there, everything becomes easier, right? When you when you when you've got someone there who you know, who you're friends with, who's even around your age as well. I think they're similar. No, wait, no, actually, no. Valverde's a bit older, isn't he? But you know. Yeah, a little bit older, but you know they would get on. They would get on like a house on fire. And of course, Valverde, because he's come from Real Madrid. We have the other thing, you know, is he's a winner. He wants to win. You know, the classic clock line, the mentality monsters. Liverpool, Real Madrid are the mentality monsters above all else. There's no other club in the world like them in terms of mentality. So immediately, he's a perfect fit with Klopp in that regard. It's obviously it's never going to happen because there's no way Real Madrid will let him go. They will sign him to a new contract. His risk course will be like fifty billion or whatever it is. They won't let him go. But it, as a thought exercise, it would be it would be amazing. It would be really good to see Valverde in the Premier League and Klopp's Liverpool. It would be fantastic. It would be like you know that bit in Commando when Arnie Arnie gets the rocket launcher, turns around, just blows the car. It's like that. That Klopp would be Arnie, and you're giving him a rocket launcher. You know what <clears> I mean? It would just I mean, be absolutely. It would just be it would be devastation because it's like. The, the Liverpool, especially if you paired him with a with a Thiago or with a controlling midfielder, that having this Liverpool that can then pass, 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 and then suddenly hit you in the mouth. This guy just comes straight through the middle and hits you in the mouth. It's terrifying. And of course, mm-hmm. second man runs far at the back post. You send Darwin crashing the near post. You send him at the back post or the other other way around. And you know, for Trent's crosses, that's just it's magic. It would be such a good fit. Um, but I mean, there's a reason why Liverpool aren't going to let him go. You know, well, I mean? their, their their idea is clearly. Camavinga, Chouameni, and Valverde's midfield three. Now I don't know how much that works because it puts a lot of con- onus on Chouameni to control the game. But like Valverde and Chouameni is a perfect little 
combo, one-two combo, and then they need a, maybe need a more rounded midfielder instead of Kamavinga. But yeah, Madrid are putting together a serious midfield. I mean, there's a reason Liverpool tried to sign one of them and then tried to sign the other one, right? It's like Liverpool recognise it. Real Madrid, there's a lot of similar, as much as Liverpool fans might not like me to say this, sorry. There's a similarity to the way their midfields work, right? It's like, it's uh, it, in terms of they need to be muscular and physical and need to control the game. They need to have this, this same mentality, this winning mentality. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the edge that, that, that Real Madrid have, well, I mean, Real Madrid, the 90% of the edge they have is mental over other clubs. And... Um, Liverpool, it's it's more football than it's 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 a lot more football edge for Liverpool, but it is still a mental edge they have over everyone. I mean, the nineteen twenty season, the, the title winning season, that was yeah. all mental. Like half of those games in that first half season, you're thinking Liverpool aren't playing well. Oh, they've won again. Liverpool, oh, they've won again. And then they then and then you're thinking, are they good or are they just so strong mentally? And then then they played you played Leicester, who were like third or something at the time, and you just absolutely it was like watching, you know. Just that was, that was, the under, you, that was the underlining. It was like, yeah, we you were, you were like, oh no, no, they're are. really good. They're <laughs> really good. Oh my God. And then it was, and then, you know, you just walked the season. And it was like, you know, so Liverpool understand, and Liverpool have always understood Klopp as well as the power of mentality and just winning matches before you even got on the field almost, right? And part of what's been their problem this season, Liverpool, is that they look mortal. They've been, they had their nose bloody by Fulham first game of the season. So everyone was like, oh wait, Liverpool. Liverpool not good, and what what need, what they needed was immediately a statement went after that to say no 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 we're fine relax, but they didn't get it and it just sort of spiraled from there and then yeah. field injuries and blah blah blah. So yeah, but yeah, Valverde mentality wise monster fit monster fit would be a, would be amazing. Not going to happen sadly because I would love to see that as much as see, you know Liverpool. There is well, a ooh, way right, and it's probably not that great to be honest with you because yeah. the only way I really see. Liverpool buying Freddie Valverde is if Real Madrid buy Bellingham. I think that's it. I think of the three yeah. who we're going to talk about on the yeah, list, I suppose he's very much the Bellingham replacement, whereas the other two are probably more Bellingham accompaniments, which brings yeah. me nicely onto the third in yeah. our trio, Enzo Fernandez yeah. of Benfica. Now, this one is probably the livest rumour of the three in as much as, unlike the other two, he's not tied down to a massively long contract. He did only sign just in the summer with Benfica. But the thing with Benfica, they 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 the they, they have they, they have ways and means. They are a little bit more amenable in the transfer market. For example, uh, Darwin <laughs> Nunes had a release clause allegedly at 150 million. We managed to get him around about half that. So you can already see that Benfica are used to regeneration. They are the team who we could potentially do business with. So let's get to the man on the pitch. Now, yeah. if you didn't watch his game against PSG, you might see, oh, well, he scored. Although they might have turned it into an own goal by now. I don't know. Yeah, it was and an own think... goal, yeah. Daniel own goal. But, I mean, that, that was a very important moment within the game. Uh, and he did oh, yeah. kind of highlight his good ability on the ball, crossing-wise. But... Again, like we said with Barella, like we said with Valverde, this is a guy who really can do everything on the pitch. And you mentioned a little bit before, before he is very much a controller. My favourite thing about watching him is his ability to sense danger. Like, not necessarily when it's his man, but when he can see when the next man is about, about his teammates about to be beat, he just kind of homes in on the horizon and just kind of right at the right yeah. time, just flicks the ball off his foot. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. He makes sensible passes. He's he's a very clever player. You can see 
why a Liverpool, anyone would be linked with him and why Liverpool in particular would want him, right? Because in the same way, he's not a, quite as much of a fighter as Barella is because, I mean, you, that's really, that's quite a high bar. But very clever. He, he moves the ball really well. He's 21 years old. He's very young. He's a very intelligent midfielder, classic Argentine creative midfielder, right? The kind of guy, you know, you'd see him paired with a, a true number five next to him and then like a number 10 ahead of him, classic Argentine number eight. Rodrigo de Paul is a, is a good sort of mm. barometer, right? Um, just really, really good. Exceptional passing range. Just, but, but, but doesn't have to always try it long. Can, can play it neatly, move it around the midfield. Like against PSG, he was really confident playing against Marco Verratti. You know, sorry again, Marco, didn't play well. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, handled himself easily against Verratti. Was not overawed by Messi, who I mean, he's twenty-one, so Messi to him must be just Jesus, right? So, mm-hmm. but he didn't, didn't, wasn't overawed by that. Benfica were, were equal. Well, maybe not equal, but they were brilliant. They were good. They weren't like absolutely walked off the park. PSG probably a better side because I mean, how could you not be with those three up front? But Benfica were worthy, worthy of their draw. I thought yeah. they defended well. They moved the ball well. They had their own chances. Um, they looked really good. And of course, the goal was Fernandez across. I mean, across, and it just Danilo turned it into his own net. It was a great cross, though, really yeah. right into the perfect area. You know, and I mean, maybe he wouldn't do that so much of that at Liverpool, given Liverpool's other players. But it's nice to know that he has that in his locker. He's he's just he's he's he controlled the game. He offered a degree of control. You can see he's not panicked. He's not rushed. Mm-hmm. He can take his time, and that's that. These are all great signs for how he could deal with Klopp, right? How uh, how he would cope in a Klopp system with the role Klopp clearly wants to fill, right? Too many, right? Was the target, and then you're looking at Barella. And it's obvious that the cop has a type here. He wants someone mm-hmm. who can fight, who can battle, but who can control the game, who can offer passing and, and precision and poise, right? Because you've got to evolve, you've got to keep changing, and you can't put it all on Thiago. He's 31, 32, and he's injury-prone, right? As he's, a, he's a magnificent footballer. Thiago, we love you, but yeah, come on. So Fernandez to me, makes the most sense out of all of them, right? Because mm. A, he's really good. <laughs> Just off the face of it, he's really good. B... He's young. He's 21. So Klopp has time to coach him, to learn him. See, Benfica, as you said, perfectly. They're amenable. You can do a deal with Benfica. They'll do a deal with you. They're happy. We signed him a year ago. It's okay. It's okay. Just pay us yeah. what we'd like. You can do a deal. We'll work something out. And uh, D, is it D now? I'm on D? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the last time Liverpool signed an Argentine midfielder from River, uh, that played for River Plate, kind of worked out all right. You know, yep. Great team that was. Great player, Javier Mascherano. Now he's not a Mascherano type, just to be clear. Uh, but he's more progressive than Mascherano. In like I said, in ideal midfield, you'd play someone like Mascherano with him, right? Mm-hmm. And then you'd have a ten. You had Messi ahead of them, so that'd be great. But yeah, he's really, really good. He's he's you know he's he's willing to fight. He's intelligent. He understands danger. Like I said, he senses danger. He moves the ball well. He doesn't really uh, needlessly risk turning over possession. So kind of in that way, not like Wijnaldum, because Wijnaldum was really risk-averse, but in that same way that Wijnaldum could be trusted to keep the ball, yes, you could trust Enzo Fernandez to keep the ball, right? And then Liverpool, sometimes, you know what? You need someone to keep the ball. That's partly why they've gone for Arthur. Of all the desperation plays that they went to, they went for Arthur, because Arthur is very good at keeping the ball. Now, I don't know if he's good, at, good enough at anything else to make it really for Liverpool, but he's very good at keeping the ball, so if they can get him up to speed physically, he could be a useful component, squad component, but he's not good enough. He's not going to, he's not as good as Fabinho, as Harvey Elliott or as Thiago, or not even close to being as good as them, right? Whereas Liverpool need people that are on that level or better. 
because you need starters, right? So Arteta's a good player. But yeah, keeping the ball is important for the team at Liverpool because you can't always be, it can't always be 100 miles an hour. It can't always be relentless, relentless, relentless because your players get tired. And if you're playing a super duper high line, which Liverpool mm. do, you need pressing midfield, sure, but you also need possession because if you're turning the ball over all the time, as much as your you, your team will have to be pressing all the time, and then they'll get exhausted, and eventually people will, and we've seen what happens when Liverpool's midfield don't press. The, the high line is just it's food for any attackers because it's just it's just that, and everyone's like, oh, they can't play the high line. No, 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 the high line isn't the problem. The problem is the midfield isn't pressing. Like like it's against the um, Klopp point out, and this is why I love Klopp, by the way. Against uh, what was it? The Palace goal. Everyone was going, "Oh, Van Dyke, Van Dyke, Van Dyke should have done this to Zaha, should have done that to to, to Zaha, should have done this and that." And Klopp said, "No, no, 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 no. We lost the ball uh, um, in midfield way too easily. The yep. Fabinho, uh, I think he had Eze, and he just he had it, he had him shut down, and he didn't press him hard enough. Eze got away. And once once you're free, if no one's pressing the hard line, look, Barcelona. I've watched Barcelona a lot, as everyone knows. They've conceded a hundred hundreds of goals like this, you, where the midfield just doesn't press." And then mm. the hard line is just so explosive, and everyone's like, oh, the defenders are no good. No, the defenders are fine. You're just, they're playing 40 yards from their own goal. You know, it's, I mean, it's, you I, think I, it's going to happen if you don't press the passer. There's oceans of space back there. I, 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 I was in, seen it happen. I was, in the, I was in the cup for that game against Palace, and I can concur. Yeah. Klopp was absolutely right. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, like, look, Virgil van Dijk He was very, saying, very uh-oh, good, right? before van Dijk was anywhere near the ball, put it that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but van Dijk is good, and maybe if it was pre-injury van Dijk, he would have handled it anyway, because he was just that good pre-injury. But we, we never know. But ultimately, any defender you put in that situation is going to have a very hard time, because you're only one person. You can't defend, you can't defend 40, 40 square yards, 100 square yards of space or whatever it is, right? It's mm. so much space. And I would so say new defense of the of the three of them, energy yeah. is something I think is is going to be really important for all of what you've just said there. The be ability yeah, yeah. to maintain a press, to be able to have the intelligence to go along with it, to know not to waste energy yeah. on certain runs, to be able to get yeah. back. And I think Enzo, I mean Valverde is Valverde. He would be able to. He's got a great engine as well. I do think yeah. of the three of them, Enzo Fernandez is probably the most suited to that. There was a couple of times I noticed in the Inter-Barcelona game where all three midfielders got caught on counter-attacks and they weren't necessarily busting guts to get back. Whereas every time that um, PSG's attackers got away, they were you could see everybody flooding back, including Enzo. Yeah, Enzo, Enzo is by far the best of the three choices, not least of all because he's been the cheapest. <laughs> that's, the, that's the first thing. Ben I mean, I mean, he wouldn't be cheap, don't get me wrong. He's 50 million at least, but like you, that's like Morello is we're talking 80 million plus, probably given his contract. Valverde, they would they would just say, look, give us 100 million or get the hell out of here. And like, you're not doing that, are you? So, um, uh, yeah, no, to me, he makes the most sense. He's really, really good. And also, what I love, what we great about Enzo for Liverpool as well is that he's that classic flop signing where you they would pay 60 million for him, let's say, and everyone would be like, what 60 million for him? That's a joke, that's way too much. And then a year later, they're like, man, man, that was a really good signing, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Like, like Van Dyke was like, 75 mil for a defender. Are you feeling okay? Alisson, 75 million for a goalkeeper. You just scored five goals against him. What's going on? And it's like, you know, look, sometimes Jürgen Klopp knows what he's doing, right? And Martin and Martin, <laughs> they know what they're doing. These are smart people. You should you <clears> understand <throat> what they're like. You should yeah, give them their respect. So, you know, and then Mohamed Salah even, that was like, I mean, I was probably the only person who's like, oh my God, that's brilliant because I've been a fan of Salah since the Basel days. And I was like, oh my God, if he just learns how to actually be consistent in front of goal, he'll be world-class because 
he had everything else. You could see it even then, he had everything else. And then Liverpool made him consistent in front of goal. And then, well, rest the rest of history. Of history. So, <laughs> yeah, so you have to trust Klopp knows what he's doing in the market. The Liverpool board, the scouting department, they know what they're doing. Every player they've targeted has basically been like almost perfect. Like, I mean, Luis Diaz, right? Everyone's like, what? why are they jumping in ahead of him? Because he's exactly what they wanted on the left. Darwin Nunez, look, I know he's had a rough start, but you look at what he can offer potentially. And when, you think, when you're talking about future proofing the side almost, right? Because look, Salah is 30 now. He's still great, but he's, we've seen already he's not, he can have periods where he just doesn't score as much. And when that happens, someone else has to score, right? Otherwise the team doesn't score. And Salah, while, when he doesn't score, what people often forget about Salah because they reduce him to a goal scorer as everyone does to every, every forward, is that even when he's not scoring, he's still very creative. His creative touch is still there. He still draws like three markers every time he has the ball. His passing is still very good. It's just he's often passing to guys who just aren't on his level in terms of finishing or aren't enough of a goal threat. Darwin Nunez potentially is a great goal threat. So even Darwin, everyone's going to laugh at him. Look, you can have your jokes now. But again, like I said, everyone does this at first. They all laugh at Klopp signings. Then a year later, they're like, oh, yeah, oh, that was really good. So <laughs> don't, don't. Don't no. rule out Darwin Nunez just yet. He'll, okay. he'll be very... Him and Salah, great connection. You know, you get Luis Diaz in there, ensconced as the starting guy, given the number 11. Wait, who's the number 11? Oh, Salah's the number 11. Salah should have the 10. Anyway, whatever, they'll figure it out. We'll, we'll um, figure it out. <laughs> okay, yeah, final question. So, Barella and De Fernandez, sorry for me, fits perfectly into that scheme where he's a player you look at, you think, that's a bit much for him, isn't it? It's, it's, isn't it? Oh, I don't know about that one. But, you know, then in a year, you see the value because he brings you possession. He brings you poise. He brings you work, energy, effort, with all the Liverpool things you need. And he's got he's got a bit of a bit of a spark to him as well in, in the final third. But he would just be an absolute piece to slot right into that midfield and give Liverpool give Liverpool and especially give Fabinho and Thiago exactly what they've been missing. Like you know, a real so, solid quality South American midfielder. So here's the key final question. Then we've yeah. highlighted that Enzo is probably the most likely. Yeah, there's a World Cup just around the corner. He may sneak mm. his way into that side, but there's Hopefully. also a transfer window just after the World Cup. So, <laughs> with summer business in mind, do you yeah. think he's one where Liverpool might try to pull the trigger early? Yeah, I mean, this is the thing because if you wait, when you wait for the summer, you get into a bidding war with other people. And it's quite difficult. The only thing that might stop it happening so early as in January is they did just sign him, literally. You know, so it's it would be like, already? I don't know. But again, Portuguese clubs are always willing to do a deal if you present them with favourable terms. And mm-hmm. so Luis Diaz, for example, you signed him mid-season from Porto, right? They were, he, I mean, he got a title winner's medal, right, at the end of the day. So, you know, they were, they were on a title push and they still said, yeah, go on and you can take our best player. So it's like, you know, it's, they are clubs are amenable to selling the in Portugal. They know they understand their place in the in the footballing hierarchy in the footballing economy. So, to me, yeah, like it's possible you'd never get Barella mid season or Fede Valverde at all. But you could get Enzo Fernandez in January. I reckon you could. I reckon it's possible. Um, and I mean, he's you know you don't want to say anyone is exactly what Liverpool need or perfect, but he would be a very good fit for Liverpool. He would. And I think it's uh, the midfield needs rejuvenating. That's clear. And Maybe this season is already gone. Although, again, I would never rule Liverpool out after last season because it looked gone last season, and they ended up one, ended up like twenty minutes away from. I mean, if they'd scored while City were while City were two 0 down, you know, who knows? 
so, and then, you know, obviously if Thibaut Courtois hadn't gone Godmode, I mean, two games away from winning the quadruple, do you know what I mean? And in, in the start of last season, you're thinking, this team ain't going to do anything. So, you know, it's, football's funny like that. So I would never rule Liverpool out for this season. So anything could happen. But so, you know, you, you add Fernandez to this team mid, mid-season, it could be the shot in the arm that like, like signing Diaz was last season, you know, just a bit of control, a bit more control, a bit more energy, and suddenly you're able to control games in mid-season. Suddenly you can rest and rotate Thiago with Harvey Elliott. You can move Elliott to the left, maybe. You know, there's different things you can do, you know, to keep Trent protected. It gives you options, right? The, the Diaz effect definitely sounds appealing. I think it's a good way to end, <laughs> end on a bit of positivity, I think, for all of us who maybe are a little bit starved of some. So, yes, even if that Brummy fella in Germany doesn't end up coming, there's still plenty of fantastic midfielders out there. Mo, are, thank yeah. you very much for taking us through it. Join us again next time. Friend. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.